Available right now via the iHeart app and iTunes. Our two new podcasts. Armstrong and Getty, one more thing. That's our daily after show podcast. And Armstrong and Getty Extra Large featuring our interviews of the most interesting people in the world. Subscribe today via the iHeart app or iTunes. Or wherever podcasts are given away for free. Because we're stupid. To somebody with the Eurasia Group coming up about the U.S.-China trade war. The trade war kicked off at midnight last night, and uh, we'll see what they think of it. Yeah, that's Ian Brummer's outfit. We're going to talk to the fabulous Meredith Sumter, so looking forward to that. I just I find it such an interesting arm wrestling match, and it's being reported so badly in the media. It's way, way more interesting than you would think in the it's either Trump's all, all right or all wrong media world. We got a whole bunch of texts. We started talking about anxiety with young people and, and everybody and why it's so high right now and, and what's going on there. And we got a whole bunch of texts, as we always do. But um, you always get the battle going on between is it you know something cultural? Uh, th- there is definitely some of that. I mean, parents being more freaked out than ever that their kids are going to be abducted. Or, or all that sort of stuff. Not letting their kids develop life skills. Not letting yeah. them play outside by themselves, all that sort of stuff. That mm-hmm. contributes to it. Sure. Then who knows what screen time and and uh, smartphones are doing. The ubiquity, fancy word, it's the everywhereness of terrible stories about terrible things happening to people. It's got to be part of it, huh? So that's a cultural thing, no doubt about it. Yeah. But then, you know, for, for my son and, and uh, some other people I know... I, that I know well, their kids have been this way from the get-go before they ever had an opportunity to even be exposed to any of that sort right. of stuff. So, right. Although I have wondered about, we're in the first generation and a half or so that have crawled around on the floor with plastic things in the outlets and foam things on the corners of sharp edges and all that sort of crap. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that puts something in the mind of a two-year-old right off the bat. The world is a very dangerous place that someone has to protect me from at all times. Whereas mm-hmm. me and everybody I know grew up with fully exposed outlets and table corners when we were children and somehow managed to survive. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if that plays a role or not. That's a fairly new industry. I mean, that baby-proofing your home is a whole industry, and everybody realized there's billions of dollars in it, and it can go so far. I mean, you can bubble wrap your whole house if you want to go with oh, every sure. product that's out there. Yeah, some of the stuff I think is a good idea, but some of it's way overboard. You know, back when we were growing up, my parents, they didn't have the money to afford a voltage tester, so they would have me stick my tongue in outlets to make sure that they were getting power. It was fine. I felt useful. We did it, so I can't criticize it, but I don't know what it does to a two-year-old to have drawers locked. Drawers were never locked when I was a kid, and we were all fine. Hmm. Um, To have drawers locked and think, okay, there's dangerous stuff here. I'm being protected by another entity from bad things. Wow, I would have to sit around and meditate on that question for a long time. I don't know. I don't know either. Hmm. I'm just throwing it out there. It might not be harmful at all. On the other hand, it might set up kids from from the beginning and the way we handle playgrounds and everything else. Say, the world is so dangerous. Always, every so moment, dangerous. even in my home, there are many dangers. I don't know. That's an interesting theory. You know, popped. I started to giggle halfway through your screed. What popped into my head was your kids feeding spaghetti into the fan. <laughs> or you? Did, I'm sorry, I that did was that. you I as, did a that kid. as a kid. Yeah. 
Oh, God. And that was a good time. I told that my, had to be just such a oh, yeah. scene. I told my kids about that, and I told them we're going to do that sometime. And on, on a closed course, though, outside, <laughs> not outside. like not like I did it at my buddy's living room. On a carpet. Oh. <laughs> you take, Funniest thing if, ever. If you take handfuls of spaghetti and run them through a box fan, <laughs> do they just tiny little pieces fly everywhere? <laughs> okay. It's amazing. Here, here's, what, here's, here's what you got to do. And you're going to have to, on the second phase of Not this... Not cooked spaghetti, probably, that wouldn't do well, anything. that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Elevate the fan, like on a desk or something, and tip it forward. Do dry spaghetti, <laughs> then do wet spaghetti, and see what that does. What happened to the cooked spaghetti? I ate it. <laughs> and then, and then perhaps, take some of your dog's poo... And throw it at the fan just to settle the eternal question. Exactly. We've always wondered what happens when right, exactly. when that occurs. Right. All right. There's much more to come. I mean, there's great lore about how awful it is. Well, right. And, and what you should fear. Let's find out. <laughs> Did the Mythbusters ever actually have the, 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 the spit hit the fan? Yeah. I don't know. All right. Uh, a great deal more to get to this hour. Most of it more. Cerebral than that, uh, but first let's take a fun. What's look more back. cerebral than trying to figure out what's causing anxiety in children? Oh no, no, I was talking about the whole. Uh, I swear, I think about throwing that all, poo at a fan. I think about that all the time. Oh, I know. Trying to figure that out. I mean, just I, I wish more. I wish more time and effort would go into it. Well, as I mentioned, all three of my fabulous kids struggle with it a little or a lot, and you know, part of it's genetics. But everybody would answer this question the same way, though. Did you have more freedom to hurt yourself than your children? Oh, 100%. With, I mean, it's not even close. Yeah. Not even close. Boy, and I'm a, I'm a free-range parent, too. Compared to others, yeah. Yeah. And, but, but it's still the case. Yeah. I mean, it's not even close. What does that do to the psyche of, of children? The idea that the world is very scary. Everything is scary. The things in your own bedroom are scary. Don't even try anything without your parents' permission, because everything is scary. Mm. I don't know. Well, my son had a chainsaw and a wolverine in his bedroom, so, you know, I just, I think well, that was just good. How else is he going to defend himself from the wolverine if not for the chainsaw? <laughs> Precisely. You could write a book, Sean. There wasn't room in the garage for the wood chippers, so I kept that in my son's room. <laughs> exactly. And on, because the starter was, was screwed up, so I just <laughs> left it running. It's good white noise, though. He never heard anything going on outside. Judy and I could turn up the stereo. It's fabulous. Hey, we've got a great guest coming up, so we need to take a fond look back at the week that was. It's time for Cow Clips of the Week. For the first time in the history of the Kentucky Derby, the horse that crossed the line first has been disqualified. I'm over here working round the clock to give you free college, but oh, look in there, Beto O'Dork did parkour in a Starbucks. But just to sum up the state of our country right now, our president is hearing smiles, (laughs) our Congress is talking to chickens, and the thing people seem angriest about is that Sonic the Hedgehog has human teeth. Never seen a garbage disposal. I never had one in any place I've ever lived. This evening we are in the presence of a true legend. You've seen the good and the bad, the highs and the lows, and I would not be in this position without all of your help. You can run the best campaign and you can have the election stolen from you. With some people in negotiations, uh, the best technique is to act half crazy. 
Let us move past focusing on the identity of the suspects and their images and focus instead on the innocent victims and on this crime and the investigation itself. We're not reporting it out gunning for one outcome. Really? The pattern that I've seen in my industry is one of deceit. We are not honest about what we collect. We are now in a constitutional crisis. I love donkeys, so then I was like, yay, and I ran over here. We have a young man, boot edge edge. Boot edge edge. They say edge edge. Well, you might say I'm ahead of my time. I'm so brilliant, the rest of the world hasn't caught up to me. <laughs> that was an outstanding cow. I mean, hang the purple ribbon around that cow's neck. Then slaughter it and eat it. <laughs> delicious. Delicious. That was a delicious Yummy. cow. So the China trade talks, the so-called trade war. China. Which isn't really, not really. We'll talk about it with an expert in moments. Started at midnight last night. Are you feeling the effects yet? Oh, I've bought several trade war bonds already to support the boys. <laughs> Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I hope you have the Auga horn ready, Michael, because we're in a trade war with China. It's a trade war. Starting at midnight, we're in a trade war. Oh, boy. Keep your feet at shoulder width. Lean slightly forward to the waist. Are you auditioning China. for cable news? Uh, welcome to the show. Glad you're here. This is a real pleasure to welcome Meredith Sumter. Whoops, my screen just went blank. There it is. Who is the head of research strategy and operations for the Eurasia Group. Uh, we uh, frequently talk to Mr. Ian Bremmer, who heads up that fine outfit. Meredith, how are you? Oh, I'm well. Thanks for having me on. Good. Hey, is Ian technically your boss? Yes, he certainly is, and he's a great boss to have. Seems oh. like he would be. Now, are you just saying that, or wink if you need help? <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, Jack and Joe, you guys have had him on the show. You oh, yeah. know how much fun he is and oh, yeah. what, a, what dynamic content we get to work with, uh, which, has, which has an impact on everyday lives here in America. So it's just a real pleasure to be speaking with you and to be part of this uh, part of this broader discussion. Well, cool. Uh, one of the things that makes us crazy is just the, the breathless um, coverage of the, the current trade negotiations with China, and it's all about Trump and the rest of it. And But... Uh, to us, it's really interesting what both countries are trying to achieve in their strategies. Um, right. Can you just give us a brief description of why the U.S. And, and the Trump administration is going to the wall over trade issues with China? Well, a great question. But first point is, this is really not about trade. And it's really not about tariffs. This is about which economic model, sort of the the U.S.-led liberal market economy uh, that we all know and love here, or China's state-directed economic model is going to be the leading economic force for the 21st century. Well, those are pretty high stakes. Yeah, they are very high stakes, which is why you see that the kind of backing up to the wall pressure that President Trump is putting on here. Look, he was elected on a platform of revitalizing uh, U.S. industry. And when it comes down to that, what he's trying to force China to do is to play by the same rules that every other major developed economy or or market-driven economy plays by. 
And it wasn't that big of a deal when, you know, 20 years ago when China was relatively a, a lower level economic power and was not directly competing with U.S. companies and U.S. industry leaders. China now is uh, in some of the strategic sectors of the future, actually. China is making more investments than we are here at home and is aiming to be a leading driving force in some of these strategic growth drivers of the future. So the U.S. is watching this and saying, hey, if you're going to try to lead, that's fine, but you've got to fairly compete. You can't get where you are by doing things like you know, unfair market access rules, forced technology transfer, finding ways to take IP and then build off of that without actually having to do the research and development to make it yours. So that's what this is really about. The, the president is using the threat of tariffs and actually using tariffs to try to force China and to force Chinese President Xi Jinping to change the structural rules by which China's economy currently functions. So, and, and that's the key point here. So that's an enormous ask for a totalitarian, yeah. you know, semi-communist regime, uh, kind of capitalist-communist hybrid. Uh, is it even possible to get halfway there on some of these giant issues? Like, um, stop stealing our patents and quit demanding all of our IT and all of our R&D. Um, uh, or is it all or nothing? It's certainly worth an effort to try to put as much effort as possible on China to reform the way that it functions. And the way that that the White House has been trying to do this is say, like, look, these kinds of market-based reforms are not only good for us and for all the other economies that are trying to fairly compete, but they're also necessary for China to really develop and transform your own economy. So they've been phrasing these reform concessions in a way that would make sense for China's own domestic imperative need for reform, but that you've really touched on the key problem here, which is that in order to function like a market-based economy, the political center has to let go of control of the economy. And there's no sign that Beijing, under Xi Jinping especially, is prepared to do that. So on one hand, you can force as much pressure as possible to see how far you can get to push China to make baseline structural reforms that are going to be good for U.S. companies, good for U.S. industry, good for fair competition, but at some point you're going, to, you're going to hit that wall. And that's the key question is how do you shift your strategy when the tariff pressure is not getting you the full response that you need to protect U.S. industry and to protect onward growth prospects for the U.S. economy? Hmm. I've got a question about that, but first, um, I forgot my question. Maybe I'll go with my other question. Then. <laughs> Meredith Sumter of the Eurasia Group is on the line. Oh, uh, to what extent is this our last best chance to put this kind of pressure on China? Do we have to do it when we've got a president who just doesn't care and have a, a strong economy? Well, certainly both the, the unorthodox approach of President Trump and the U.S. economy remaining resilient um, are you know, the, the, the two most important factors as to why the U.S. is taking this position now. Uh, but there's, there's more to this as well. Uh, looking at how are we going to – a couple things need to happen. One, yes, you need to put pressure on China, and you've got to find the most viable way to do that. So we're going to try this with tariffs. And the president has already hinted that if this level of economic pain with tariffs is not enough to push China, he's prepared to issue even additional tar- tariffs on Chinese goods. What you need to watch here is which economy is going to be the most resilient in, in 
taking on this kind of economic pressure because the moment that one or the other economies begins to weaken, that also weakens the, the negotiating hand, and both sides mm-hmm. know that. Well, so, yeah, yeah, I, I hate to interrupt you, but it just was occurred to me that we so you got two things going on there. On, on one hand, you got the incredibly strong economy of the United States. On the other hand, you got our political process where if, when there starts to be pain, there's going to be a lot of pressure on a lot of politicians to say some really scary things to try to get Trump to back down. Is there political pressure in China, too, of that sort? There is political pressure in China, but not of the sort that we have here in, in our own democratic country. Uh, so that the political pressure in China is to ensure that China does what it needs to do so that more Chinese are able to see their livelihoods continue to develop and increase as, as, as it has. Xi Jinping actually believes that he's in a stronger position because he doesn't have the same kinds of political de- uh, democratic pressures that Trump has here at he's home. He's president for life. Yeah, but I've heard that they're, they're critically interested in saving face and not being seen as being strong-armed by the U.S. Is that true? That is true, and that's why we see it as highly unlikely that despite the elevation of tariffs overnight, that uh, Chinese Vice Premier Liu He, who's the chief negotiator here in Washington right now, we see it highly unlikely that China is going to agree to the concessions that Washington wants. We're almost out of time. We've got two quick questions. Uh, who blinks first and what day? Please, please tell us that. <laughs> Who blinks first, uh, Jack and Joe, depends upon which economy is going to blink first. So watch that very closely. Point two is, in order to really be successful in the long term, the U.S. needs to do more than put pressure on China and work with like-minded allies to do so. We need to really invest here at home to double down on investments and scaling up our workforce across the country. Love it. Doing the basic R&D in our industry so we can compete with China and out-compete China. Meredith Sumter, Meredith, I'm so sorry to jump in. We're we're up against a hard break. Meredith Sumter, Head of Research Strategy Operations, Eurasia Group. A pleasure. Thank you. That was great. Really great. Thank you. That's the best conversation I've heard on that yet. Marshall's got his news coming up, but I know more about it than I did before. The whole China trade thing. Yep. Who's going to blink when? That's the question. Coming up on the Armstrong and Yeti Show. A lot of you texters liked our interview with Meredith Sumter about the U.S.-China trade war. Yeah, I've been noodling it through during the commercials, too. China's in a pretty good position because of the lack of political pressure. Yeah, yeah, they are. Short-term political pressure, because our our political pressure is always so short-term. Right, of course, and they are clearly trying to wait out Trump. Um, I'm not sure they're going to get away with it, because he said, well, that's what the tariff thing is. It's administering so much pain to them, they can't wait for the next administration. They've got to cut a deal. And Meredith, I mean, she really got my attention spelling out the long-term implications. This is a huge struggle for the economic future of the globe. I mean, this is a, a, a turning point in economic history, it's like the one battle, way or the other. It's like the battle between capitalism and socialism, which is the best system, communism. Right. Um, and, and or just who gets to control stuff, because... If if China goes into developing nations in Africa, and they're doing this in Asia, too, like crazy, and they invest billions of dollars, and, and often they get you way in debt to them, and then they act like a loan shark. But anyway, it doesn't matter if their system's better. If they got you by the bowels, as they say in course uh, quarters of society. The short hairs. <laughs> Youch.
Dang it, they got me by the short hairs. Ouchie. What, what does that mean? I don't... I, you, I, you, I always assume that little hair on the back of your neck. No, it's your... It's no. your... It's your no. it's, that's yeah, obscene. It is. No. What? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, it's yeah. down there. I thought they meant the hair on the back no, of your neck. No, I can tell no, you with no. great confidence, nobody has ever grabbed me in that way <laughs> no. in my life. How much nude wrestling are you people doing? Let's get the well, news. start that way. That's clearly a foul. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> It's got to be off limits. you got to agree <laughs> We have a grabbing mother shorters. <laughs> That's one point off. News what? now with Marshall Phillips. Well, Facebook co-founder Chris Hughes has been making a lot of waves, saying it's time to break up the social media behemoth that he helped start. Chris, who sold his shares in Facebook some time ago, says CEO Mark Zuckerberg has allowed a relentless focus on growth to crush competitors and sacrifice security and civility for clicks. I think we have a long tradition in America of holding power accountable. I mean, after all, our Constitution is built on checks and balances. And sometimes folks in the private sector who are CEOs of companies just get too big. So just like we've done with Standard Oil, AT&T, we say... This is a monopoly, a market is frozen, there is no competition, and there's no accountability, and the government needs to step in and break it up. Uh, it's something to say about your old buddy, your co-founder. Yeah. I wonder, what did he get uh, going out the door? $500 million. Oh, yep. Well, he's making a pretty solid argument, I would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish, wish I knew more I, about that. I mean, I saw that Zuckerberg responded. Do we know what Zuckerberg responded with? Yeah. I'll get back to you on that. Okay. Yes. Anyway. Senator? Chris is saying the future acquisitions for Facebook should also be banned for at least several years. Because I think most Americans know that the best way to hold a company accountable is competition. What keeps happening now is there's another privacy scandal or another election scandal, seemingly every week, at least every month, and then people get outraged. They get so angry, they say, oh, I'm leaving Facebook, I'm going to Instagram. Not realizing that Instagram is owned by Facebook. And then they become resigned to the fact that we can't do anything. So we can't vote with our feet, we can't vote with our eyeballs, and so we need government to step in. After being so outspoken about Mark Zuckerberg, his former friend, and breaking up Facebook, does he think their friendship's actually going to be continuing? Mark is a good, kind person. We've been friends for 15, 16 years at this point. And I also think he has too much power. Listen, I don't know. I really don't know if we're going to be friends. I think there are some... My vote would be probably not. Probably not, but there are some friendships where you have disagreement. Wow, that reminds you how young they are. They've been friends (sighs) since college and been friends for 15 years. I had the same reaction. So, like, wait a minute. These are the titans of the world. They're children. <laughs> well, certainly Zuckerberg looks like a child. Senator, I'm afraid I have to go. It's bath night. <laughs> They're particularly luck- young-looking dudes. Yeah. The pictures of them at Harvard when yeah. they invented Facebook, they look like young high school kids, like freshmen in high school. Mm. They're very young-looking people. Yeah, they're nerds. He brought forward the the, 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 the titans of the past. Vanderbilt and Rockefeller. Right. And who are With these children and running exactly. the world? Yes. You don't know nothing about a monopoly on railroads. <laughs> and what are these metal birds flying through the sky? A review of hospital prices across the country is showing that in 2017, the prices paid to hospitals for privately insured patients averaged 241% of what Medicare would have been paid. Chaplain White, the lead author of the RAND study, says employers can exert pressure on their health plans and hospitals to shift from their current pricing system to one that is based on a multiple of Medicare or other similar benchmark. He said if employers and health plans that participated in the study had paid hospitals using Medicare's payment formulas, 
total payments would have been reduced by $7 billion, a decline of more than 50%. Anybody who's listened to Craig, the healthcare guru on the Armstrong and Getty show and, and remembers this, knows this. The only reason, the only way the big government healthcare programs work is they vastly underpay for services and they're subsidized by people with private insurance. Mm-hmm. Hospitals would not see anybody on Medicare unless A, they were compelled by the government and B, they were making it up on the back end through other people. Right. I'm Essentially, Medicare patients show up and pay four cents for a, for a, a, a 12 cent item. Or, you know, maybe that, that percentage is off, but yeah, that, uh, if that was not happening, it would collapse today. Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos plans to send a lander to the moon, and he's going to do it soon. Bezos unveiled a large model of the lander during an event in Washington, D.C. He said it's, the, it's this generation's job to build the road to space so that future generations can unleash creativity. When the infrastructure is in place, just as it was for me in 1994 to start Amazon, for the future space entrepreneurs, you will see amazing things happen. And it will happen fast. He remarked his space company Blue Origin's been working on the lander for three years. It'll be able to land more than three tons of cargo on the surface of the moon. And they're going to launch it in about two years. Two years? Yes. But I'm telling the astronauts, Bezos is going to tell you it'll take two days to get to the moon. Pack food for four days. <laughs> Trust me on this. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Or he'll say he can get astronauts to the moon for $100 million. Then you realize the shipping is $50 billion. <laughs> and you forgot to check. You didn't check the shipping. Right. <laughs> Dang it. That's you know, how I just, they get you. I just bought some, uh, what are they called? They're spikes you put in the ground, solar powered. For <laughs> intruders. Re- evildoers. To repel. <laughs> To repel moles and it's and in at the gophers. bottom of a pit, I assume. <laughs> Solar powered mole repellers. Yes, they what? put out a frequency uh-huh. that freaks out the the the, the beasts, the unholy beasts uh-huh. that are completely ruining my yard. They're digging up my yard, um, and they get four and a half stars reviews on the Amazon. They will destroy your yard. The Which, spikes or the no the beasts. The beasts. Oh, and I've let it's, it go long it's enough. It's so and, terrible. Yeah. So I'm going to try that out. What is Baxter doing? I was going to say, yeah. Well, Baxter's the front yeah. yard. Ah, so, well, and plus they're subterranean. He's a dog, not a mole. I mean, <laughs> so when, get him a shovel. <laughs> Dogs can dig. When I was a kid, we had a mole problem in the backyard, and at the time, my dad had these medieval contraptions yes with a spring on them you've ever yes. seen those had I, a spike in them i brought <laughs> a spring and a spike it sounds yeah. dangerous and she'd put it over their little little trail there right. that went underground uh-huh. you'd put it right where they went through and then had a little trigger on it and then the spike could go down through and then you'd pull it up through the ground and there was a impaled Sean, mole how game of thrones is that huh oh, the game of thrones go for repellent wow. yeah we went just before we started working together back in 1908 i i mentioned on my show that I was having moles dig up my little yard there in Salina, Kansas. And a guy calls up. He says, hey, look, I can help you out, but uh, don't mention any of this on the air. <laughs> awesome. And I was Always like, a great way to start a conversation. That's when you know you're on to something good. <laughs> and I, I thought, this is great. And sure enough, he came over, 
and he brought uh, Limol guillotine, or they were pocket gophers, that very device you're talking about. It's really more of a, go- a mole Iron Maiden. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you what, I think it was 36 hours oh. later, no mo gophers. Wow. Yeah, well, we, we had a big mole problem, and uh, there was a flood. And we referred to this as the Molocaust, which is not politically correct. But <laughs> no, it isn't. A flood. The water got up almost to our house. I thought we were going to, like, our house was going to get ruined. But when the yeah, waters received, that. there were thousands of dead moles what? around our property. Yeah, they That's all, they gross. All, they all, it was gross. <laughs> they all drowned uh, and were up above, and then they just were laying on the sidewalks uh, oh, and the yard and everywhere. Uh, what do you everywhere. Even, you do, what do you, I guess you just move at that point, right? <laughs> you know, I. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't going to fire up the barbecue. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring this up because I'm kind of down. But my band, the Drowned Moles, we just got dropped from our record company. <laughs> Another one? I know. Oh, I know. Man. I know. Oh, I know. It's a boy, setback. Boy. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah. Armstrong and Getty. Facebook is introducing a new feature, have you heard of this, where you can select up to nine Facebook friends that you'd like to date. Yeah. Yes, this new feature is called cheating. (laughs) Yeah, good point, Conan. Um, CNN with breaking news, latest round of U.S.-China trade talks end without agreement. Okay, so they don't have an agreement at the first meeting of the day. That's fine. Yeah, or do they mean like the round for the next month or something? I don't know. Um, They can always call back. Hey, let's have another round. So we we haven't talked about, and I haven't read up on, there's a story out there that Joe Biden's son was doing something with Ukraine that could be a problem. I don't know if it is a problem or not, but in some circles it's he did something criminal, and this is going to be Joe Biden's big Achilles heel. I remember hearing something about it a couple months ago, and I thought it was big at the time, but I can't remember what it is. Well... Rudy Giuliani, it's out just now, like in the last hour. He's going to Ukraine to look into it. Wow. Rudy Giuliani's going to go to Ukraine to look into Joe Biden's son's dealings with something in Ukraine. What's the opposite of a fresh set of eyes? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Is he going to meet Julian Assange in Prague, too, or whatever that urban legend was? that? So that'll turn things interesting. Yeah. And that's probably somewhat based on this poll that just came out last night where Biden's crushing the competition in New Hampshire now. He already was in Iowa. And nationally, national numbers don't matter. But he was crushing Iowa and crushing New Hampshire. I don't think anybody's ever won Iowa and New Hampshire not ended up the nominee. Ever. If I... That's an interesting historical question. Um, If I'm on Trump's campaign team, I'm hiring... I'm, I'm having my best people... Spent a few weeks looking into, are we better off crushing Biden now or letting him get the nomination? I mean... Well, you know what I think? I think Biden's the best general election candidate they, the Democrats got. But he, See, I'm not convinced that's true. It's just I think he's too much of a stumble bum. I think he gets all of Hillary's voters and some of Trump's working class voters who really want to vote Democrat. Unless he steps on his uh, Yingus too many times during the campaign, which I still predict. And I just there are a couple of really smart, fairly practical, moderate people in the field who are stuck in the single digits right now. I, well, it'll be interesting to see unfold. 
maybe the key thing and really is going to be historical is the turnout. What's the turnout going to be like for the 2020 presidential election? It's just going to be insane, isn't it? Maybe. God, surely it will be. Surely we haven't had all this talk and it still ends up being less than half of people vote. Yeah, yeah. I'll, the the only thing I could see, though, is if I'm right about Biden, he he gets the nomination and then his candidacy just is not run terribly well. And maybe he has a real oldster moment or two and enthusiasm for his candidacy just tanks. Um, I mean, Trump's uh, the attitudes about Trump are so baked in. Nobody changed their minds after the Mueller report. So I don't think we have to worry about that. I mean, unless he has a heart attack and dies, but I could see. So you see... think people wouldn't vote for him if he died? <laughs> It'd be an odd thing. Um, I-, I could see a weak, wounded Democrat hobbling to the finish line and that affecting turnout. But other than that, I think you're probably right. Anyway, a lot Gi- of passion. Giuliani's going to Ukraine, so that uh, it makes things more exciting. Happy travels, Rudy. Mm-hmm. Good luck. stuff. Uh, the rodent, rod, rodent, rodentinator. That's the thing on YouTube that's like a flamethrower or for getting rid of rodents, moles. I think I've seen that. <laughs> like a flamethrower is an interesting description for things. Right. Yeah, no it's, uh, does it throw <laughs> flames or doesn't it? Right. <laughs> There are very few things that are like a flamethrower. Right. Yeah, it seems true. quite binary. It's like kind of pregnant. It's just it's one or the other. Right. Are flames hurled from it? It's final thoughts with A-N-G. Hopefully no more Hitler your host, Joe We have uh, people emailing those in to Mailbag at Armstrong and Getty in increasing numbers. We are building a catalog of them, and, uh, and I, I love that. Keep them coming. Always you know, like different. Yeah. Yep. Just so you know, we're a little early here, so I just realized that, so feel free to talk. Oh, we can stretch out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. All, right. All right, then. Let's get yep. a final thought from everybody on the crew. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Marshall Phillips. Well, I gotta tell you, I uh, went through round one of collecting birthday drinks yesterday. Oh, awesome. T- today will be round two so you do birthday week like a lot of people oh do? yeah yeah very much so <laughs> i've got i've got my specific locations planned out for every day through the weekend into monday and you just go on in i see my friends i say hey i had another birthday and everybody says all right it's on us right and they like to drink with you because it's your birthday right. and i know that's a, it's an awesome deal oh yeah no, the that's tour great. de shardy yeah nice uh, Michelangelo, final thought you'd like to share? Uh, yeah. Um, if you have a problem with moles on your body, get a full body exam from a dermatologist. But if you have moles in your yard, get an exterminator. Be sure you n- do not confuse the two, as the scenarios would create unfortunate results. <laughs> Thank you for that. Positive Sean, final thought. Yeah, trio of movies opening up at the Cinemaplex this weekend. I, I anticipate none of them scoring higher than about a B- minus or so. You got the Pokemon Detective Pikachu movie, but if you're into that, you'll probably like that movie. You have a movie called Tolkien, which is about J.R.R. Tolkien, kind of a biopic, biopic. I don't, I never know how to say that. Right. And uh, uh, The Hustle with Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson, supposed to be a funny movie. But uh, th- those are your options. Me, I'm staying away. I'll wait till next week. Did, did, did J.R.R., who foisted the damn hobbit on me, um, did he have uh, some sort of hidden life that we don't know about? It's scary? not so much hidden, but I, it seems to be trying to connect how his life influenced the stories he wrote. Okay. 
All right. What the heck? Uh, he wasn't a secret Nazi or something like that. Nah, not yeah. that I can tell. Aw, dang it. Dang it. Jack, final thought for us? Yeah, it's Mother's Day on uh, Sunday. I got to make sure I call my mom and get her something. Do something for my wife, who is a mom, obviously, of our children. Yeah. And uh, man, moms and dads do a lot, so. Yeah, indeed. And, uh, but it also bothers me that it's, you know, it's it's mostly created out of a need to make money off of cards and flowers. And yeah, kind of, yeah. It's the yeah. American way. <laughs> On a similar topic, I am thrilled. One of my very best friends in the world, my daughter, Delaney, is coming home Saturday night and staying for a week, which is fabulous. And I'm reminded that I got some very good advice back in the day. There'll, there will be times when you do not want to be your child's parent. You want to be their friend. And if you're if at those moments you're their parent, They'll be a friend for life. If you always try to be your kid's friend, things get squirrely and weird. Sometimes you have to be the tough guy. Squirrely and weird. You don't want squirrely and weird. No, you don't. Nuh-uh. Hip. So how much extra time do we have, Michael? Like five oh, no, minutes or an hour and a half? Or, no, I was just off by a little bit. Oh, yeah. I remember the day she was born, Jack, 1999. We were all partying, as Prince had suggested. Yes. <laughs> Armstrong and Jay wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank. So little time. You were down in your Y2K bunker. <laughs> there was only one thing to do, yeah. so my wife and I did it. Nine months later, you'll never guess what happened. Uh, Good Armstrong and Getty you can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. See something over the weekend we ought to be talking about? Send it along. I'm looking forward to watching the old Warriors without Kevin Durant tonight. See what they can do. Ball movement, shooting. Joe's, Not that Joe's Kevin coach, Durant can't shoot. Joe's coaching him up. Keep it moving. See you Monday. God bless America. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from not planning, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. Now the time has come to go. If this little cop was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! (laughs) Armstrong and Getty.